Thank you for staying back. Um, <clears throat> I appreciate your prayers, uh, Sister Betsy, sharing that she prayed. Uh, Brother Tom, thank you. Um, Lord knows I'm running on fumes on two hours. And again, the Lord works in a way where he's like, no, I'm going to make my authority known. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so let's begin. Um, a wise man once said, where the word of a king is, there is his power. Now, let's multiply that by infinity and how much more the word of the king of kings. And when I came across this, this quote, I was actually convicted. Uh, and I was convicted due to my lack, my often lack of reverence towards the authority of God's word. It didn't help my conviction when I came across uh, another, um, not a quote, but um, that it is said about George Whitfield, that when he read the word of God, he read the word of God on his knees as an expression of his reverence towards the authority of God's word. <clears throat> reverence, um, as the Lord says in Jeremiah, I will put my fear in, in them. Uh, reverence is not hard to perceive. And I would like to just illustrate it by saying, like, imagine any one of us is standing before the Grand Canyon or one of the seven wonders in the world or Niagara Falls or what have you. Imagine standing before that. If you are not at awe, if that picture is not affecting you, then it'll be right to say you're clearly not seeing it. Dude, you're blind. This is awesome. And in that same way, I can feel like that oftentimes of myself concerning the word of God. May God help us. So I want to confess that there is going to be a certain simplicity to today's lesson. But that simplicity is also seen in the gospel. God sacrificing God to save us from God. The message is simple, and yet it is the power of God for salvation. So let, let, let not the uh, simplicity deter you or discourage you. And the reason I say that is because we're going we're gonna to go, I want to expound the scriptures to really see, as, as was it Spurgeon who said it, that the, the scriptures don't need defending. It's like a lion. You just let it loose. It defends itself. So in the same way, I kind of want to speak on the scriptures and let the scriptures speak for themselves. Um, and a lot of these verses are going to be verses you guys are familiar with. But I kind of want to slow down and smell the roses type thing. <clears throat> so as Pastor Bob, um, an introduction to my lesson, um, he provided an awesome introduction last week on systematic theology. And if you guys remember the pyramid, the illustration that the foundation of this pyramid is the word of God. So the, that, that's my, my assignment concerning the word of God is a certain attribute of the word of God, and that is the, auth, the, the, the authority of the word of God. Um, brothers Tom and, and, and Brother Anthony, both Anthonys um, and, and Marvin and the rest, uh, we're going to expound on other attributes like the clarity, necessity, sufficiency, etc., but my authority is the, is the my, my uh, assignment, sorry, is the authority of Scripture. But before we dive into the authority, I want to just focus briefly on just the Word of God from which the authority 
exudes, if you will. So let's just think about that and, and really, really think about that. Again, I'm going I'm to I'm be slow. That's actually a, 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 a counsel. My beloved and mom was like, dude, you got to slow down. So I'm trying to be mindful of that. Um, and that's not like I'm rapping up here. Um, but have you guys even, even thought about that phrase, like the word of God? Like, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Is it simply a book? Is it simply a book? Or have you slowed down and said, like, yo, this is the word of God that I'm holding in my hand? Like, is it, does it have a certain majestic sense to it? And again, these are one of the many convictions as I was reading this. I'm like, dag, I don't feel this and I need to feel this. So help me, God. So when we talk, excuse me, when we talk about the word of God, what are we referring to? And Pastor Bob, I think he uh, took a screenshot of my notes uh, because I too want to go to Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. Um, so when we talk about the word of God, what are we referring to? And I think Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 kind of provide us a summary of, of, of what I want to focus on briefly concerning the word of God. So Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 says long ago, uh, Bob's, Bob's emphasis was, was the last days, but long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. So I want to kind of chop that up a little bit to make my point concerning the word of God. Again, we're focusing on the word of God. So let's break this up a little bit. So we know that God spoke in many ways. Some of those ways is is dreams and visions, but let's focus on this. God spoke to our fathers. Who are our fathers? The federal head, you can say Adam, the, 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 the patriarch, the, the father of the faith, Abraham. He spoke to them directly. God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. There's a second way, through the prophets, as vessels, through the prophets. And in these last days, has spoken to us by his son. So that is the person, and we can even say the written word, for in the beginning was the word, etc. So, When we get what we get an indication of here in Hebrews one is that the Bible uses the phrase the word of God in different forms, though ultimately meaning the same thing. So this is the one I want to expound on a little bit. So I want to break this down in two main categories of ways that the phrase the word of God is used in the Bible. So the first way is as a person. So we all know the verse, John 1, 1, that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And in verse 14, he became flesh and dwelt among us. However, Revelation 19, 13 really encompasses the umph I'm trying to communicate. And it is, he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the word of God. I love the clarity of that. The second way that the Bible refers to the word of God is as speech by God. However, this is broken down to four subcategories or four variations. The first variation is God's decrees. So a decree of God is a powerful, creative word from God that causes events to occur and things to come into being. I like to think of that as as the efficacy of God's word. I love that word. The efficacy of God's word. And 
if you were to look that up, the, the, the definition of that word efficacy is the capacity for producing a desired result or effect. The capacity. That already implies a certain authority. The capacity. So what text can we go to that we're all familiar with? Genesis 1-3. And God said, God spoke. God said, let there be light. And guess what? There was light. In verse 24, God spoke and created the animal kingdom. Psalm 33.6 says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And by the breath of his mouth, all their host. But let us not stop there. Not only has God spoken all created things into being, he also holds all things into existence. May he increase our awe of him. In Hebrews 1.3, speaking of Christ, it says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his, the Father's nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So that's one variation of one of the uses of that phrase, the word of God, is, is, that the Bible uses is as a decree, as a decree. The second way is God's words of personal address. So that means that sometimes God communicates with a person by speaking directly to them. We see this in Genesis 2 when the Lord is commanding Adam what to eat and what not to eat. And we all know what happened. <laughs> so in Genesis 3, pronouncing the judgments upon Adam and Eve, we see that the, that the word says to, to the woman, he said, the Lord, and to Adam, he said, he is speaking Again, to personal address. And how many times over do we read in Exodus, and the Lord said to Moses? We also remember the conversion story of Paul in Acts 9, where it says that God speaks to Paul, and even those around him heard the voice. Now, as he went on his way, that is Paul, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, as we all should, he heard a voice saying to him, he heard the voice, personal address, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. So these texts are clear examples that the word of God is used in the form of personal address. The third variation that the word of God is used in the scriptures is as speech through human lips, as speech through human lips. And Deuteronomy 18, though Joshua was the prophetic successor of Moses, I believe these texts are also alluding ultimately to the Messiah. Deuteronomy 18, 18 says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you, like you from among their brothers. And here it is. And I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And Jeremiah 1 7, it says that the Lord says to Jeremiah, whatever I command you, you shall speak. Jeremiah 1 9, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. So an important parentheses that I want to I want to draw here is that some theologians argue that because human language is imperfect by nature that God using these imperfect vessels 
perfectly. But as far as God using these vessels, that in some way dilutes or diminishes the truthfulness or the authority of God's word. But of course, God's word begs to differ. I want to actually go back to Deuteronomy 18, but now focus on verse 19. I will put my words in his mouth. That's verse 18. And verse 19 says, And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. So notice that my word, that he shall speak in my name. It is God who is ultimately speaking through a vessel. And whoever does not take heed, God himself will require it of him, implying the consequences for not listening, implying thus the authority of such God's word. And it is for this reason that Paul, we find Paul in 1 Corinthians 14, 37, can say with much confidence, if anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are what? A command of the Lord. So what is the conclusion here? That regardless the means or the vessel, the word and the authority of God is not diminished. It is not diminished. And this leads us to our last point in this subcategory as far as God's speech and how, how is, is in the different forms. And this last form, point four, is God's words in the written form, which is clearly the Bible. However, the first instance we have of this is the Ten Commandments, right? In Exodus 31, we see that it's written with the finger of God. But I think it is very well summarized in Exodus 32, 16, which reads, The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God, engraved on the tablets. I love just the clarity of Scripture. And the writing of the word of God continued as God commanded other men to write. And some of these men include Moses in Deuteronomy 31, Joshua, Isaiah, Jeremiah, on to the inspired men of the New Testament and the Gospels, the epistles, and unto our hand. Let us be encouraged that for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. What a blessed privilege it is. I want to pause here before we move on. And I want to ask if there's any comments or questions. Please engage. Pastor Bob. Uh, uh. They were afraid. It says here, uh, it says now, when all the people saw the thunder, the flashes of lightning, and the sound of the trumpet, and the mouth spoken, the people were afraid and they trembled and they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Amen. 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 
Amen. Amen. Amen, brother. Thank you. Yeah, Pastor Bob. I mean, Pastor Paul, sorry. Amen. 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 Anyone else? Any comments? Questions? Amen. Thank you for deepening that. Thank you. So now that we have discussed what the word of God is and its different forms and uses, now let us dive in to the authority, which was the perfect segue from Pastor Paul and Pastor Bob. So when we say authority, what do we mean by that? I give you a cheat sheet in the outline. Would someone care to read that? What do we mean by authority? The authority of Scripture means that the words of Scripture and its author are so equally identical that to disbelieve or disobey any words of Scripture is to disbelieve or disobey God himself. Amen. Thanks, B. And my brother, let me ask you, B, like, since you put yourself on the spot. Just kidding. <laughs> um, my brother, how would you rephrase or summarize that? How would you define the authority of God's word? Well, if the word of God is Jesus Christ, then to define his words, to divide the person and work of Jesus Christ, is to trample the cross, trample all Mm. Amen. Brother Rick. So I know there's a scripture that says that God holds his word above his own name. Yes. I think it's Psalm 139, is it? 138. 38. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's why I got brother. Amen. 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 Brother Mari. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, Frank. Great example. Frank, thank you. Pastor Bob. Oh. Separate, try to separate the author of Scripture from the authority of Scripture that he comes from. When we understand the context of when the Bible was written in the ancient times, 
Yes. <clears throat> yes. Amen. Amen. Brother Mari, I know you have some. Amen. Amen. Pastor Paul, last one. Amen. 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 And if I heard everyone correctly, that what is the authority of God's word? God himself. That's the, that's the punchline. And as we also alluded, divine author, divine authority. So there are two key ways that we can learn. Because now, even as, as Brother Frank uh, was talking, um, again, it's amazing how the Lord kind of just leads the, the study. He's truly carrying me through. Um, but um, as, as Brother Frank um, was speaking, um, like this next point came to mind because... Like the question, when you said like it becomes a suggestion, which implies like the stripping of that authority. So the question then becomes like, how can we come to know of this authority? We as Christians know this, but what, what can we, and, and obviously, but there's ways that we have come to know this. And there's two key ways that I want to just point out briefly. And the first one is that the word of God claims to be the very words of God, that the word is self-attesting. And I believe the, the, the King James Version, so Pastor Paul, get ready, I'm going to have you do the honor. <laughs> that, like the, the, the King James Version in the, in the Old Testament is absolutely bombarded with a, with a certain phrase. What is that phrase, Pastor Paul? Don't, huh? All right, so, <laughs> are you killing me right? Not good. <laughs> so that, so I'm saying that in the, to make, to make the point that the words of God, that the word of God claims to be the very words of God, there's a certain phrase, an exact phrase in the Old Testament that is specifically in the King James Version that is absolutely bombarded. And Peter. But that's a verse, not a phrase. So the phrase that I was talking about was, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> so yes, from Exodus to 2 Kings, 
This exact phrase is repeated over 400 times. I mean, if that doesn't speak for itself, then what would? And as Pastor Bob also talked about in ancient times, as far as the king, like, like, like sending out an edict to his subjects, the same thing. Like that edict was not to be challenged. It was not to be, it was not to be questioned, but one that was supposed to, that was, that was set to be obeyed. So again, how much more the word of God? In the New Testament, we also see the word Claiming to be the very words of God, we know this text in 2 Timothy 3.16, where Paul says, all scripture is breathed out by God. So that word that he uses, scripture, that word that he uses right there, scripture, is the Greek word, graphe. The reason why this is important, because that, that specific word is used 51 times in the New Testament, and every single time it is referring to the Old Testament. However, follow me. So that, fr- that, that phrase, all scripture is God breathed, is it only specific to the Old Testament? Mm-hmm. So there is two applications that I want to talk about as far as that phrase. So again, Paul was definitely referring to the Torah, the Jewish Bible, the Old Testament, Because of that, because of the Greek word used, and he's always referring to that word scripture, referring to the Old Testament. So therefore, the Old Testament, according to Paul, is to be regarded as the written word of God. However, there is a second application. So in 2 Peter 3.16, Peter alludes to Paul's writings as scripture, which is that same Greek word. So this is an exception of that 51 uh, uh, that I just mentioned, that word being mentioned in in the New Testament. So in 2 Peter 3.15 and 16, it says, And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote, keyword, to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all of his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, and I agree, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction And here's the key phrase, as they do the other scriptures. So now we have the hinge here. So now Peter, what Peter is doing, he's classifying the epistles of Paul as scripture. So although referring to the Old Testament, he's now including the new by referring or classifying Paul's uh, writings as scripture. So there's that connection being made. Also, similarly, in 1 Timothy 5.18 Paul quotes Jesus in Luke 10. So in 1 Timothy 5.18, it says, for, Paul says, for the scripture, referring to the Old Testament, says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. That's Deuteronomy 25. And the laborer deserves his wages, which is there that he is quoting Jesus. Again, now, being, now including the New Testament and referring it as scripture as well. So it would be right to conclude and apply that phrase of Paul saying all scripture applied to the entire word of God. Any questions or comments there? Brother Mark. Yes, yes. 
And I usually go to Paul's, uh, uh, and, and, and what is it, Second Peter, Second Peter 1? Carried along by the Spirit of God? Yeah, sorry, but I always refer to that verse to say that, make that point. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's the Bible. Yes, it is. You know, I actually, and I read that in, in the Grudem. I read that in the Grudem. Um, and in a, in, in a sense, they are right. In a sense, they are right. And again, but the, the same thing I will say back to them, because whatever they claim to be authority or true, I would say, hey, you're saying that, and that's a circular argument. They're going to go in circles as well. So that's a valid point, but I could just only direct them to the word of God. Because he, Yes. Mm. When you just swear by any other authority regarding the Bible, you would undermine the authority of the Bible. Amen. 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 Yeah, Bob. Amen. 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 Mm-hmm. Amen. 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 Sister Marcia. Oh. Brother Frank, you want to say something? I'm sorry? Oh. Brother, want to get that? Oh, okay, okay. Oh, I'm sorry, sorry, okay. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And God established the law. At, yeah, amen. And that's when um, it becomes uh, a 
Yes. Amen. Without, without, without law, there's no transgression. But when it was set, there was. Uh, anybody else? Uh, Brother Frank, sorry. Yes, amen. 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 Yeah, great. But the Mara, last one. Amen, amen, amen. I think we absolutely made it clear, and thank you guys for, for, for engaging and participating. We have made it clear that the word of God are the very words of God. But now there is, so, but it is one thing for the word of God to claim to be the word of God, but it is another thing to actually believe it. So what is that X factor? What is, like, how is one convinced? And before you guys answer, although you got a cheat sheet in front of you, um, <laughs> Like, I actually use this because I, I, I've had, I got friends in, 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 in the Islam religion and other religions, um, and they always, I mean, a common question asked, like, how do you know it's ultimate truth? How do you know it's ultimate truth? Um, so, like, I always, I don't know, I drew up this illustration that I kind of, like, shared in previous conversation. It's like, imagine yourself in a desolate desert, and you're seeking ultimate truth. And you come across three books, the Book of Mormon, the Quran, and the Holy Bible, all claiming to be true. Like, how do you know? What is the convincing factor? Right? And what is that? Amen. Amen. By the Spirit of God. By the Spirit of God. So we are convinced that the Word of God is the words of God by the testimony, by the subjective internal bearing witness of the Spirit of God. Listen to Calvin. He says, if we desire to provide in the best way for our consciences that they may not be perpetually beset by the instability of doubt and vacillation and that they may not also boggle at the smallest quibbles, we are to seek our conviction in a higher place than human reason, judgment or conjectures. That is in the secret testimony of the spirit. And, and Paul, 
in 1 Corinthians 2.14 says that the natural person does not accept the things of God, of the, oh, sorry, the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because why? They are spiritually discerned. So the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God. Can anyone name what are, what are, what are these things that Paul is speaking of? Go ahead, Rick. Mm-hmm. The natural man can't Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Will it be? Amen. Amen. And even in evangelism in 2 Corinthians 5, one of my one of my favorite texts, when it talks about being ambassadors of Christ, that's God making his appeal through us. He's the ultimate evangelist. Amen. Gabongo. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen, brother. Ant, last one. Amen. Amen. All right. Last one for real. Amen. I mean, we're familiar also with John 15, 26. And also note, like from John 14, John 15, John 16, how the Lord himself refers to the spirit as the helper and as the spirit of truth. 
It's very specific. And in John 15, 26, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the father, he will bear witness of me. And what I like to say when I was this, this kind of uh, studying this aspect of my lesson, this quote came to mind that I just, I just kind of like worded. And it is this, the revelation of the spirit is the affirmation by the spirit that the word of God is indeed truth. And, and a point to make, one second, bro, like, like, like the point to make is that the word, the, the, the spirit of God is bound to the word of God. His ministries does not work outside of its confinement, right? He leads us to all truth. He will glorify me. He will bear witness of me. And, and the reason why I say that is I had a conversation with one of my dearest Pentecostal sisters a number of years ago, and they love to say the Lord said, and, and, and I was led to do this, and, and I would question some of that stuff. And I was just like, sister, like, let me ask you a question. How do you know it's the spirit of God? How do you know it's the spirit of God? And of course, subjectivism, like, I felt it. You know what I'm saying? And I said, well, let me ask you, like, just to be sure, what are the ministries of the spirit of God? And she just looked at me like, and I said, dear sister, it is written. It is written. Brother Mari, you have something? By the Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you, brother. And there's a, there's a certain aspect of Scripture which influences its authority, and that is the truthfulness of Scripture. That it is because the Word of God is truth that it has the power to constrain, to believe, and obey it. That it has the power to, to constrain us, excuse me, to believe and obey it, implying its authority. And obviously the truthfulness of scripture also fortifies, solidifies our confidence because God cannot lie. Titus 1-2 refers to God who never lies. Hebrews 6-18, it is impossible for God to lie. And I want to make a point in John in the high priestly prayer of, 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 of the Lord, of our Lord in John 17-17. So we all know that it says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So we're all establishing that it is ultimate authority, ultimate truth, external objective truth, as Brother Frank was saying. And, and the, 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 this is where you want to look at the Greek word, because the Greek word here is not an adjective, but a noun. So it's, very, so it's not that the word of God is true, but that is truth. There's a, there's, a, there's a big difference. So that the Bible is the standard, as we have established, by which every other claim of truthfulness is to be measured. And as you said, brother, anything, if we, if we resort to anything else, that implies that that is a higher authority in the scriptures itself. Any questions or comments? We're almost wrapping up. Yeah, Paul. Amen. 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 Sure. Mm-hmm. 
the case of Christ. Amen. 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 And let, let's piggyback off of that, off of that, um, um, those comments from Pastor Paul. And let me just ask the question. So obviously we have the word and we have the testimony of the spirit, but are there other, are there any other evidences that, that, that although not ultimately convincing, like in and of themselves, but that can support the authority of the scripture? Is there any other evidences? Right, is it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Amen. Inconsistencies. Amen. 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 Anybody? Brother D. Amen. So the fulfillment of prophecy. Amen. 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 Brother B. Amen. Amen. Amen, my brother. Pastor Bob. Amen. Amen. Pastor Bob. <laughs> That's why we, we got to go to you guys first. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Yes. Amen, amen, amen. Brother Rick? Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, listen, listen to what the um, so again, these evidences are helpful to establish the word as the word, but they're not ultimately individually or collectively like conclusive. Like, the, you know, what I mean, it's not the ultimate determining factor. However, listen how the Westminster Confession summarizes this. It says. We may be moved and induced by the testimony of the church to a high and reverent esteem of the Holy Scriptures 
and the heavenliness of the matter, the efficacy of the doctrine, the majesty of the style, the consent of the parts, the scope of the whole, which is to give all glory to God, the full discovery it makes of the only way of man's salvation, the many other incomparable excellencies, and the entire perfection thereof are arguments whereby it does abundantly evidence itself to be the word of God. Yet, notwithstanding our full persuasion and assurance of the infallible truth and divine authority thereof is from the inward work of the Holy Spirit, bearing witness by and with the word in our hearts. Uh, Dr. Lloyd-Jones says that the authority of the scriptures is a matter of faith, not of argument. Nice, nice summary there. Um, so I'd like to close by, uh, by reading Psalm 19. <laughs> so in Psalm 19, we're going to read from, se- from verse 7 to 11, but the, 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 there's a few things that I want to point out here in Psalm 19, verse 7 through 11 in closing. So the word that is being referred to in these verses, the word of God, is given six titles described by six characteristics with six effects. Psalm 19 verse 7 says that the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Amen and amen. Any closing thoughts or comments? To God be the glory. Oh, Betsy! Hey! The red letters? You know, that's, that's, that's that's interesting. That's interesting because that's one of the like the, the modern times heresies going on right now. And I mean, if they read the, the red letters, then you would understand that the whole scriptures testify of me, Jesus says. So it's like, dude, you're bugging. You didn't read all of them. <laughs> Amen. Amen. The words that I'm writing to you are a command of the Lord. Amen. 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 Anyone else? Press about. Amen. Amen. 
And as Paul likes to say, like, will we submit our lives to that? I actually heard you in my ear. Sister Shetty. Amen. 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 Yeah, Rick. So um, the authority of the Bible, we are to follow even above and beyond the laws of the land. Mm-hmm. And it's like when we talk about murder or abortion or um, same-sex marriage, Amen. And all those issues, mm-hmm. the, the Bible is the authority over everything, even the existing laws of the land. Mm-hmm. Yes. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Anyone else? Well, thank you guys for the participation. You guys helped carry me through. Uh, let us please pray. Father, how can we not thank you for your word? How can we not thank you for your church, Lord? How we cannot thank you, Lord God, for your means of grace. As our sister Michelle said, that it takes extreme humility to submit under your word, which implies that only omnipotence can humble us, O God. And this is what we ask, Father God. We desire to do what is right, but apart from thee, we are unable to carry it out. So, Father God, we ask of your aid, and we thank you that you have promised to do so. Thank you that it is finished, is encompassed, is all-encompassing. Our salvation and our sanctification and our glorification. Father, thank you. Thank you also, Father God, for carrying me through this lesson, Father. I claim no power and no authority, Father, for I will be a fool to do so. And I just pray, Father God, that you may apply such authority to your word that we may indeed submit, abide by it, and indeed obey it. So help us, God. We ask these things with much thanksgiving in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, guys. My brother.